Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and certainly hope you're enjoying your weekend. Our guest this week is the governor of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, Andy Bashir. It's been a busy time for the governor. He has just set a vaccination goal for lifting some COVID-19 restrictions in Kentucky, but is also dealing now with the loss of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, at least for now. The unemployment saga has dragged on for a year, recently resulting in the system being shut down because of fraudulent claims. Uh, still, the challenges persist, even as some offices are reopening. Governor Bashir vetoed some of what the Republican-dominated legislature passed, and lawmakers overrode many of those bills and made them law anyway. The governor signed some others and let some become law without his signature. Now the legislature has left town and instructed the governor not to spend federal money coming from Washington on his own. Governor Bashir is joining us, and we appreciate it very much. We have a lot to discuss. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me again, Bill. You've set a goal of getting Kentuckians uh, vaccinated that you say will allow you to lift some restrictions. Uh, how much of an obstacle is it now that this uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine uh, pause has come along uh, because of some uh, adverse reactions? Well, Johnson & Johnson shouldn't impact the supply we need to hit our goal of having two and a half million Kentucky adults vaccinated, at which time we will lift all capacity restrictions for events under a thousand people. This is what we've been looking forward to. This is what so many businesses uh, want and need, and collectively we can work to make this happen. That'll mean more than 70% of all Kentucky adults will have protection from this virus, meaning we can do those things uh, more safely. Uh, we have enough Moderna and, and Pfizer, two safe and effective vaccines to get there theoretically in the next three and a half weeks. More realistically, four to six weeks, depending on us signing up and getting this done. Now, Johnson & Johnson, the pause doesn't help. You know, it's, it's not in terms of supply. It's less than 5% of all doses we've received. But to those that have lingering concerns, it, it doesn't help, admittedly. But if you look at the numbers, uh, one in every million people that have taken the Johnson & Johnson vaccine have had an issue versus nationwide, one in every 550 or so Americans has died from COVID. So we just gotta keep it in perspective. Uh, the risk of any of these vaccines causing an issue is incredibly low. Uh, the risk of having uh, hospitalization or, or a bad outcome for COVID that's pretty high. Governor, we have seen the case numbers tick up a little bit. Uh, in fact, uh, at one point this week, a 25% uh, increase. And then we've seen uh, some hot spots uh, within the state. Are there some metrics that, uh, that you're watching right now with uh, any degree of concern? Well, we're watching them all. I think where we are as a state is that we had a great 11, 12 week uh, decline in cases week after week. But like every other state, we have now hit uh, a plateau. Our concern and what we've got to watch for is that states like New York and New Jersey, uh, Michigan, and many others are now seeing a really significant rise in cases, a fourth wave. That doesn't have to happen here. And, and it hasn't, we don't believe it's happening yet. Our job to stop it requires two things. Number one, keep wearing your mask, keep doing things the right way. That stops the variants too. But number two, get vaccinated. With more than 1.6 million Kentuckians already vaccinated, which is a miracle given this virus just appeared in Kentucky 14 months ago, we're on our way. But everybody, everybody needs to sign up for an appointment. 
and, and right now we're not too the hesitant yet. We're, we're too more of the casual. A lot of our younger Kentuckians up to this point, the virus, sure they could spread it and it could harm someone, but it probably wouldn't harm them. Well, we're now to the point where this variant is putting more young people in the hospital uh, and, and, and really hurting younger Americans. So, so now's the time. If everybody gets vaccinated, we will not go through what Michigan and others have gone through. You mentioned uh, uh, lifting restrictions on uh, events of a thousand people or so. So that will cover uh, most of the uh, summer festival gatherings and the, the concerts that our uh, local towns have and that kind of thing. The Derby will have a bigger crowd, as will the Oaks. And uh, what about as you look forward into, uh, say, football season? Uh, have you given thought at this point about uh, you know whether there will be wide open crowds at uh, some of the upcoming events? Well, wide open crowds of, of that scope are going to require us to get even more people vaccinated. But certainly, we're going to have more people at those events than we were able to have last year. Uh, and again, everybody out there who gets vaccinated gets us closer to that full football stadium. And I believe that's in our future. It may even be in our near future, but it all depends on us. When we look back in, in what we've been through, Every day, everybody's had to make a decision to protect their neighbor, to be their brother or sister's keeper, to love their neighbor as themselves. That's been about wearing a mask, staying home oftentimes, sacrificing and foregoing opportunities. Now, it's about getting vaccinated. That gets us back at least closer to that normal. The Foundation for a Healthy Kentucky did some polling and they found that some things that uh, were probably suspected all along that uh, some who are hesitant to, to get uh, vaccinated lean toward it with more information. And that there's this political divide that uh, Republicans are much more skeptical of the vaccines than Democrats. Uh, we've seen uh, that divide on masks as well. Has the political nature of this surprised you over this uh, long year, Governor? It's disappointed me. Uh, a pandemic that's killed 6,200 people isn't and shouldn't be political at all. And this virus doesn't care if you're a Democrat or Republican independent, if you're not registered, doesn't care what county you live in. Uh, it tries to infect you and it tries to kill you. Our response, you've seen some politics out there, but I do wanna say it's, it's that little bit that seems to get magnified in social media and media and, and we don't focus enough on the millions of people doing things right. The millions of people who have put all the politics aside. Bill, I can't tell you how many times a day I run into somebody that says, I didn't vote for you, Andy, uh, but I appreciate what you're doing and, and I'm with you. That's what a pandemic is supposed to be about, entirely beyond politics. It certainly pushed me there. Now, the decisions I've made in this don't have anything to do with Democrat, Republican, re-election, or the rest. They just have to do with life and death. And I do believe for a large part of our population, I hope this pushes us beyond a lot of that partisanship. But everybody isn't going to get there at the same time. Uh, but we can try to lead the way by example and doing the right thing. And yet uh, uh, politics and, and, and big questions in Frankfurt are, are part of the scene. And uh, uh, Governor, some Republican lawmakers are questioning a $23 million no-bid vaccination contract that your Department of Public Health awarded to a company called Wild Health Incorporated. They say there was ample time to do competitive bids and the taxpayers may have gotten a better deal uh, through that process. Uh, how do you respond to that? Well, we, we uh, only know how many vaccines we get on a Tuesday, and we've got to deploy them by the next Monday. We never know which vaccines we'll have available. Uh, Johnson & Johnson uh, just uh, had that pause. Listen, we are at war 
And in the middle of being in a war, do you put your munitions out to bid or do you go out and you get what it takes in each area of the battle to, to make sure you're getting it done? And then there's so much misinformation that's been put out there on this contract. This is a performance-based contract. This company is only paid when they put a vaccine in someone's arm and they take all the risk. For them to get $23 million, they're going to vaccinate 300,000 Kentuckians. Uh, that, in the end of the day, if we reach that level, uh, will help us get to, to herd immunity. Uh, but, but it's also one where we reached out to multiple other vendors. One wanted a heck of a lot more. Uh, the other wanted um, upfront costs. This was the one ready to go. If we had to wait three more weeks to have this large Western Kentucky presence, then people there would lose out. Again, Bill, life and death not politics of a committee meeting that's become theater. They voted down just about every contract my administration's put out there ever. Life and death, and, and that's how we approach it. Governor, the unemployment issue has been a drama for all involved uh, for a year, and we've, we've learned that uh, bad actors have caused a lot of the problem by filing uh, maybe hundreds of thousands of fake claims. You took the extraordinary step of shutting the application system down for a few days. Uh, do you think that at this point uh, that the state is able to uh, root out the fraud and, and get those benefits to those uh, who need them? Well, it is an enormous issue that the entire country is facing. These are large criminal syndicates, many from overseas using server uh, uh, attacks, you know, of, of, of proportions we've never seen before uh, to attack these systems all over the United States. We did take the extraordinary step of shutting down for four days because we were seeing people's money stolen, people's bank accounts changed. Uh, they took information they found on the dark web about people, and then they, they worked um, an algorithm to try to crack your pen, and what they would then do is try to steal your money, and we couldn't let that happen. So the system is now reset. People need to reset their pens. We have 150 people answering phones right now to help make that happen. We're gonna get up and running, but there's no question that this level of fraud makes it so much harder to get to the real claim. That's why we're really excited that uh, in-person appointments all around the state are now open. In the next two weeks, we have over 9,000 appointments where real people that we know represent a real claim are going to get to walk in and see somebody face to face and we're going to get their claim resolved. That's those uh, career centers. Will those, uh, I mean, I know you've opened it for this particular situation. Uh, they were closed down at a time when it didn't look like unemployment was going to be much of an issue. Do you plan to, uh, to keep those open uh, beyond uh, the pandemic? Well, we should. The lesson we ought to learn from this is that the past administration and past legislative sessions cut and cut and cut unemployment. They cut the people that worked in it that could be processing claims right now. They cut the offices, meaning uh, it, it, we, we have to reinvent the in-person appointment uh, around the state. They refuse to update the system that desperately needs it, that holds us back every day. So have we learned? Well, this last legislative session, I asked for state dollars to make permanent improvements permanent new hires, and we were told no. So Bill, coming out of this, we, we, we should learn our lesson. And I'm gonna continue to push to make sure even in good times, we have that safety net there because rebuilding it in the midst of an unprecedented pandemic where more claims are filed than ever, again, it's hard to build an airplane while you're flying it. Uh, if we do right, if we fix this as things get better, then we'll be ready the next time. But we need partners to do that. 
Let's talk about the economy. The, uh, there's uh, federal money coming in. Uh, you told the Associated Press this week that Kentucky's economy is ready to take off uh, as the uh, pandemic uh, winds down. Uh, it looks like Kentuckians are spending the relief checks uh, that they're getting. State uh, tax receipts are up. Uh, where are we in terms of getting the economic ship righted? And how dependent are we in Kentucky on federal dollars to get that done? Well, first, I'm proud, even in the midst of a pandemic, uh, we have balanced our budget here in Kentucky uh, year over year. But more than that, you're right. Economically, we are set to take off with opportunities that most Kentuckians may have never thought was possible. Multi-billion dollar opportunities now looking at Kentucky when they used to look at New York and California. This post-COVID world is going to give us more chances than ever before. But, but to do that, you know, again, we can't be Democrats or Republicans. We got to get beyond politics to see the opportunities that are in front of us to remember what we've been through in this pandemic when uh, we realize that collectively we can do so much more, including defeat uh, uh, this virus. Uh, our, our, our future is brighter, I believe, uh, than, than it's been at any point in my lifetime. But we gotta be ready. As far as dependency on federal dollars, sure, it's helping our economy right now. But from what we're seeing, uh, we believe we're gonna announce more new jobs and more new investment in the coming years um, in, in new fields, in fields that people can work in the next 20 or 30 years with good wages where people can raise their families uh, with purpose-driven companies and investments that wanna transform communities from Eastern Kentucky to, to Western Kentucky. I am excited. I am very excited. You know, I, I oftentimes think that what I'll be known for is is uh, is helping to get us through this pandemic, but but I hope that's not the case. I hope we're able to defeat it this year, and I hope even a year from now, uh, people are thinking more about what we have in front of us than than what we've been through. Governor Andy Beshear is our guest on Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll take a one-minute break, and we'll be right back. We have a few more questions for him before we go. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers on WKYT. We're delighted to have the governor of the Commonwealth of Kentucky with us today, Andy Bashir. We appreciate uh, him uh, spending some time with us. Uh, governor, let's look back at the legislative session that uh, just ended. Uh, how do you describe uh, where things are headed? Uh, some of the bills that were passed uh, have now become law. Some of them uh, you vetoed and were overridden. Uh, overall, uh, what do you have to say about the session? Well, this was a, a session that uh, we saw both uh, uh, pain and, and some progress. Uh, pain in far too much of the session focused on politics, focused on who has what powers, focused on standing up to this person or that person. That doesn't help our people elect. That doesn't move us forward at all. And, and it's wasted opportunity. But what we also saw is some progress. Progress in areas like healthcare, where we capped the price of insulin in certain instances, uh, where we uh, uh, made mental health on the parity of physical health, which is in the Affordable Care Act, but we put it into to state law, where we uh, move forward on, on telehealth. Uh, and then we saw some real bipartisanship and doing something you don't see in just about any other state, expanding access to voting. 
Uh, you look at what's going on across the country when just about every other state's moving the opposite direction and you see corporate America saying we don't like that. Well, guess what? They ought to come here because we were able in a bipartisan fashion to increase the number of days you have to vote. And then on the last day, uh, some real breakthroughs, I think, in relationships, hopefully some building of trust, where we were able to go ahead and allocate over a billion dollars of the American Rescue Plan Act funds in ways that can transform Kentucky. First, transform our water sewer systems, make sure everybody has clean drinking water and do all of it without raising anybody's bills. Broadband, over $300 million to continue to work to run it to every single home so, so kids can continue their educational paths so you can see a doctor without having to drive a couple hours and, and where everybody can conduct business even out of their home. And then almost $200 million in, in rebuilding schools, vocational schools. I mean, that was an exciting breakthrough and I hope some of the trust that we saw built those, especially last couple of days, uh, persists in moving forward. We'd all be better off. Governor, in order for that trust to continue, uh, will you have to call the legislature back to allocate uh, the, the rest of the money? The, you know, as you said, about half of what is coming in uh, has, been, uh, has been allocated. However, uh, you have contended that you might have the authority to, to go ahead and spend the, the rest of the money while the legislature says, no, it's, it has to go through us. Well, we've worked well together thus far, and I certainly want to continue trying to work together uh, with them. What we're all waiting on right now is advice from the Treasury on all the possible uses and, and limitations of these funds. Once we see that, we can make a determination of whether a special session is the right move or whether potentially we'll deal with it in January. The one major piece left off of what we did this session, it's relief. I believe this money is, is your viewers' money, is our taxpayers' money, and, and they're calling for relief. I think it's relief for uh, struggling Kentuckians, those that are hurting the most. I think it's relief for small businesses that have been impacted by uh, COVID more than any other. I think it's relief for industries like tourism uh, that are trying to hang on but have been hit so hard. I think that's the, piss, uh, the, the, the part, that, the piece that we missed, and, and I think that's what we have to address. Let's talk real quickly the school choice bill. You vetoed it. They mustered up the votes uh, for an override, uh, although it was narrow. Uh, in your opinion, will that hurt public schools? Well, I think you will see um, from from somewhere in Kentucky uh, a legal challenge on it. Absolutely, it will hurt public schools. It's going to take at least $25 million away from it at a time when uh, our level of funding is, is getting close to potentially being unconstitutional. You know, way, way back in, in the Rose case, the Supreme Court said we have a constitutional duty to adequately fund our school system. We didn't add any money. Uh, to it in, in terms of the SEEK formula. We're just taking money away from it based on what happened this session. It is the wrong move. Listen, there's a big place uh, for, for, for private schools, for those who want to send uh, their kids to them, but you still gotta pay uh, those taxes on public schools. It's good for all of us. It's good for the workforce. Remember, uh, so much of what we have to do to be primed to have opportunity isn't about I, it's about we, it's about us. 
Governor, you also uh, vetoed the changes to future teachers' retirement scenarios. Uh, teachers who are hired after the first of the next year will have to work longer. They won't get the defined uh, benefit pension that they have for decades. Are you concerned that that will make it harder to recruit teachers into the field as some of the Democrats in the legislature uh, indicated uh, concern them? Oh, of course it's going to make it harder to get the best of the best be teachers. And when we look at any field, you look at compensation. Compensation is pay plus benefits. The biggest benefit uh, for our teachers is their retirement. If they spend those decades in classrooms cultivating uh, our children to become great citizens, and a great workforce. And what we did here is we cut and almost eliminated the number one benefit, meaning compensation for new teachers dropped dramatically. At a time when public education and education has never been more important, our legislature decided to pay our teachers less. That is a mistake. It's one that I hope can be rectified because if we truly value our children, if we truly value the experiences they're going to have, if we're truly vested in the next generation, why wouldn't we have the compensation package to get the best of the best to be in that classroom every day? Governor, uh, President Biden, as you know, is pushing what he calls the American Jobs Plan, which is a $2 trillion infrastructure bill. Uh, Republicans say it is too broad and too expensive. Uh, the White House uh, has put out a document uh, that uh, goes to each state of saying what their uh, benefits might be from such a bill and claiming Kentucky has more than 1,000 bridges and 1,300 miles of uh, poor highway conditions. Uh, what would your transportation priority be if that bill or even some watered down version of it uh, gets passed by Congress? Well, we desperately need a federal infrastructure bill. And let me start off by saying this can't be partisan because President Trump was for it, President Obama was for it, President Biden is now for it. I know there's an argument about what goes in it, but it's time to finally come to an agreement of putting real dollars into infrastructure, most of which the federal government built that is never maintained. Look at our infrastructure system in Kentucky that helps us be a logistical leader. This is something that the federal government built much of, but that we maintain uh, year in and, and year out. So with these dollars, uh, we've got to make sure that, that we are maintaining our roads and our bridges, which is more of a challenge every year. We've got some mega projects like the Brent Spence Bridge that I hope is ultimately included in one of those top 10 projects, because uh, it certainly should qualify uh, in that bill. We have bridges all over the Commonwealth that need to be uh, replaced or repaired. And then we have great economic development opportunities happening right now, where when you're on the road up to them, you know what a challenge it's gonna be when, when trucks and cars and the rest are traveling them. Uh, at, a, at a higher rate. Uh, this is something that we have to do. I will tell you, um, as, as the head of the uh, Resurgence and, and Economic Revitalization Committee of the National Governors Association, uh, Democrat and Republican governors alike believe that we need significant public infrastructure dollars from the federal government creates a lot of jobs and it's necessary if we want to continue uh, the economic success that, that I believe is going to be in front of us. And Governor, the opioid crisis, which hangs around uh, and, and may have gotten worse, uh, in fact, appears to have gotten worse during the pandemic. Uh, can Kentucky uh, hunker down and take on that issue uh, with some strong resolve after uh, all the sacrifices that have been uh, associated with the pandemic and, and the perhaps lost focus on that, uh, on that key problem? We can and we will.
This is an epidemic that we have faced for far too long. Uh, but I will tell you, we have more people on the front lines trying to fight it now than ever. Uh, we have more opportunities for people to get treatment now than ever. Every session, we're looking at uh, the, the, the ways that, that we can help, knowing that our future is tied to this issue. Uh, folks who are suffering from addiction are our family members and our friends. Everybody has been touched by it. Uh, to me, this is a faith issue. We have a duty to help those that have fallen into this, and we've got to recognize getting out of it is harder than anything most of us could could ever put into, in, into words. Uh, so as we come out of this pandemic, and as we're able to focus even more, uh, let's remember that the compassion that we've shown each other during COVID is the same type of compassion we need to show in addressing the opioid epidemic. Let's remember uh, the resources that, that have been required to um, uh, blunt COVID are resources that we need to be looking at, at putting into to stopping the opioid epidemic and that it is possible. Listen, if we can defeat a one in every hundred year pandemic, uh, we can overcome this opioid epidemic, but we gotta do it together. Quick, quick. We gotta move beyond politics I mean, this has got to be something when we address it that, that uh, you know, I, I'm not Governor Andy Bashir, Democrat. I'm just Andy and your bill and we are people focused on overcoming this real challenge. Quick answer on this. Are you going to present the uh, trophy at the Kentucky Derby this year? I am. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to make sure that the activities are safe. Everybody needs to wear the mask when everybody going or everybody going to a derby party get vaccinated. Uh, there are appointments all over Kentucky. You can get vaccinated this week. Make sure you do it. All right. We thank you for being with us. Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir. And we'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers in a moment. Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren, and here is your full court fast break. Out of abundance of caution, the CDC and FDA pressing the pause button on Johnson & Johnson's COVID vaccine. This after reports of rare and severe blood clots. The clotting disorder only occurred in a handful of Americans out of the millions who got the J&J &J vaccine. This is not the first safety concern stemming from a COVID vaccine. Overseas, rare cases of blood clots were also found in people who receive AstraZeneca shots. AstraZeneca's COVID shots have not been cleared for use here in the U.S. As for Pfizer and Moderna's COVID vaccines, they appear to be free of significant adverse effects. Pfizer and Moderna reportedly make up 95% of COVID vaccine doses administered here. Want more Full Court Press? Tune in Sundays. We bring politics home, covering the national stories that impact you.